Hi, I'm Sakita Holly. I am an award-winning publicist and entrepreneur obsessed with transforming brands, and I am dedicated to sharing everything that I've learned along the way to help you win at work, in business, and everywhere in between. On this podcast, you will have direct, unfiltered access to your favorite creatives, entrepreneurs, and executives, and the methods that have made both them and myself successful. This is the Sakita Method. To live tweet this episode, use the hashtag the Sakita Method and be sure to tag me at Miss Success, that's M I S S Success, on both Instagram and Twitter. I'm so excited for today's show. My guest started out as a listener of this podcast. Then she attended an event I hosted with former guest Adina Bayo in 2017. If you haven't heard that episode yet, it's episode 35. Definitely listen to that after you finish this one. Attending that event kicked off our relationship as professional colleagues, but she's definitely someone who I look up to in the industry. And now I also count her as a friend. She is Crystal Wattler the Managing Director for Virtue North America. Virtue is a full-service creative agency born from what many of you know as Vice Media. In her time running business development and now the entire agency for North America, she has helped win business from Urban Decay, Target, Beats by Dre, Indeed, AT&T, and more. Today, we're going to talk about how she switched careers from corporate banking at 25 taking a 55% pay cut along the way to start from the bottom in a brand new industry to recently being named to Ad Age's 2019 Women to Watch list and being promoted three times in almost three years at Virtue, where again, she is now running the entire agency for North America. She's also going to share some tips on how creative service-based businesses can continue to pitch and win business during today's uncertain business environment. Welcome to the show, Crystal. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I have to know, how are you feeling today? Because this is long overdue. I know, I know it is. Um, I am excited and nervous. Um, as you know, I don't talk about myself often publicly, so um, you have always pushed me, and I am stepping out of my comfort zone. So I'm really, really, really excited to to chat, especially, especially with you. So thank you so much for having me on. So we are currently living in an interesting time where many people are either out of work or working from home trying to figure out their new normal. No matter which category you fall in, this is going to be a time of reflection for a lot of people and decisions will be made about whether or not they're in the right career field for them. At 25, you were working in corporate banking, making great money, but you weren't totally satisfied and decided to change careers. Like, that's a huge undertaking. So can you take us back to that time in your life and how you made that decision? Yes. um, That time, I had graduated from Spelman College in 2004 with a degree in computer science and math. I went into corporate banking and started at Citigroup and working downtown Manhattan in a corporate bank. And I had this incredible opportunity to move to London (laughs) to work for Goldman Sachs. And um, at the time, it's not that I wasn't, I wasn't not happy. Um, I liked my team at Citigroup. I was learning, I was growing. Um, But one of my best friends, Cynthia, told me, Crystal, a year from now, will you wonder if? And I said, yes. And she was like, you got to take it. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll do it. So at 24 years old, um, I left Citigroup and moved to London to work for Goldman Sachs, middle office equity ops. Um, and I just took a shot at it. Right. And what is that saying? You got to, you got to learn what you, what you don't know, what, excuse me, what you don't want to do in order to get to what you do want to do. And being at Goldman Sachs, which was, you know, a great company, it was, it is a fantastic company. And guess what? It just wasn't for me. I wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, you know, I didn't have a great manager. Um, 
I wasn't in a client-facing role anymore. So at Citigroup, I was sat on the client services team. At Goldman Sachs, I was in the middle office, um, and I didn't feel as though I was using my strengths. Um, and for the first time ever, for the first time ever, I would wake up unmotivated. Mm. I would take my time getting to work. I would be late. And that's just not me. Right. And I was just like, okay, something's up. And so once my one year contract was up, I had a decision to make. I said, am I going to stay in London or am I going to, to leave? Like what's most important? Cause I had a great social life. I had incredible friends. The expat community was so great. And I have friends for life from that experience. Um, but for some reason, and this was way before, you're talking 13 years ago, right? This was mm-hmm. way before all of the conversations that we have now about, you know, following, trusting yourself and passion and, you know, um, all of that, right? For some reason, I had this irrational belief that I could figure it out. And I decided to leave London, finish my one-year contract and move back to New York. Um, moved back in with my parents. Um, and something that I learned living in Europe was that it's okay to take time off. You know, I'm a first generation American, right? So my pa- both my parents are immigrants. And there w- and being an American, like all we know to do is work. <laughs> this notion of volunteering voluntarily like not working, it's completely foreign. My mom thought I was crazy. Um, but living in Europe and meeting so many diverse people and Australians, especially too, it was no big deal to take six months to a year off and just figure shit out. And just, I learned from the Europeans that it's okay to take time off. In fact, they encourage it. It's great for mental wellness, all this other jazz. And so I decided to just take the rest of the year off. That was 2007. Moved back in with my parents. Obviously, I had some savings and just from, you know, discretionary income and and saving from my banking career. And during that time, um, I allowed myself to be before I even knew what the word meant. You know, around that time. I remember um, starting to volunteer for the Spelman uh, Alumni Association in New York. I remember being home and knowing what it and knowing for the first time ever what it felt like to wake up and not have a to-do list for somebody else, but a to-do list for myself and to wake up and set my day and um, have, you know, informational meetings with a ton of people. Uh, and it was a really special time. And it was, it's a time that I always tell people was probably my most health, like my healthiest uh, time in my life because I didn't answer to anyone. I didn't have any responsibility. Um, I was living at home and just figuring out my next step and, and, and letting it naturally happen. Um, again, it was, a, it was an irrational, it was a re- irrational belief that things would work out. I had no proof. There was no data to support that. What's so interesting is that this happened in 2017. I think taking time off, taking a sabbatical like that, like I always say, I want a sabbatical and now we're kind of being forced (laughs) in a way. And I think that that is absolutely fantastic. Um, Not everyone obviously is going to be in a position to do that. But I think many of us should really think about how we can put ourselves in a position to do that. If it's not now, you know, can we do it three months from now? You know, prepare for a sabbatical because like you said, many of us have been working since I've been working since I was 14. Like there have been, you know, college, there's been high school, college, and now post-college, there have been no real breaks. Um, And what could we do if we had that time? Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, like that time I, I had space, mm, I had space, to think. you know, to think, to think. And I'll never forget. I had like a thousand dollars left in my bank account, not the 401k, the bank account. So I had to figure it out fast. And so in January, 2008, I decided I had, I hit a fork in the road, right? I said, okay, Crystal, are you going to go back into banking and do the tried and true, um, go to business school, um, come back and be an associate, work your way up to MD, 
um, potentially go into private equity, potentially go to a hedge fund. It, it seemed expected, you know, at the time. Or the other path was, you know, this thing called marketing and advertising is interesting. You know, um, I'm 25 years old. I already moved back in with my parents. Um, maybe I'll just follow my gut and follow my interest. I still have my journal from 2008 where I started reading trade magazines and I would like write things down and I, and I have the, the page dog eared. Um, and I said, what does it mean to go to market? What does it mean to launch a product? So in January, 2008, I didn't know, I didn't have the vocabulary or the experience to do that, but it was interesting to me because I was reading the trades. I was volunteering and fundraising for Spelman and I saw some correlations um, can and can take a pause for a second that for sure in 2008, you didn't have the language you, you had just started mm-hmm. educating yourself and now you're running an entire agency. Like, I know, is, is that I what we, we're out here doing? That I is know. absolutely amazing. Um, it's, I just needed to take a minute for people to like, realize that it's possible. If you make a decision and you stick with it and you educate yourself and you take the risk, you could be out yeah. here like Crystal. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's okay. <laughs> no, but I, I want to know like what, okay, so you, you were writing in your journal, you were reading trade magazines, like what other steps did you take as you were, I guess, starting to think about making the switch and go into marketing advertising? I mean, you hit the, 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 the nail on the head. Like I took, I signed up for a class at NYU called integrated marketing communications, which, you know, now is, you know, a completely different world. Um, so I took a course at, and I invested in myself, right? I took a course at NYU's, uh, continuing education program. Like you said, I subscribed to Adweek. Um, and so I was getting that and I would read that weekly and I would underline things and I would, you know, research things and understand what terms meant. I was like, oh my gosh, there's a whole new world. Like I studied science and math in college and then went into finance. This was an entirely new world for me, but it was interesting. Uh, I also had informational, informational meetings with people. And I think, um, those informal chats with people and I use my network. Come on, I was 20 five at the time, right? So my network was that of a 25-year-old. And, you know, just speaking to people and hearing their experiences and picking up on things that I thought was interesting. And then I would ask them, who do you else do you think I should speak to? And they would introduce me to two more people. And so I had, I wasn't working, but I had a full calendar of meetings and catching up with peeps. Um, and then something special happened. I, I made the decision, right? I made the decision to pursue advertising and I hit the pavement and based on those informal uh, meetings that I had, I would start, you know, reaching out to peeps and I specifically researched advertising agencies that had financial services accounts, right? So I can transfer that skill set of being in financial services um, to an account management team covering a financial services account at an advertising agency. And so I went to, you know, I had plenty of interviews and, you know, applied online, had people introduce me to HR peeps. I mean, there was one, one of the largest advertising agencies um, that recently lost um, uh, American Express. Um, and I guess I can just say it. it's been, it was such a long time ago and, and it's all, all respect. Um, so I had probably three rounds of interviews at Ogilvy. They had the above the line account for American Express at the time, huge account, huge piece of business. And I went in for the assistant account executive role and they could not fathom, (laughs) they could not fathom someone coming from banking, choosing to go to advertising and taking such a severe pay cut. And I'm like, by the third round of the interview, and they're like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yes, I do. I'm, you know, I'm taking one step, uh, a couple steps back to hopefully have a couple steps forward in a couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get that job, but I did meet someone that was, um, that I had a informal chat with at Ogilvy. Um, her name is Tanisha Abernathy, and I call her my, my advertising fairy godmother. 
because because of her, she introduced me to a friend of hers that was running accounts at this really small agency called Underline Communications. And I interviewed there. I got the job as an account manager um, covering American Express. And so it was a blow. Yep. Yep. So again, I, you know, there are, you're going to ask me questions and they're going to be things. And as I recount these experiences, I'm telling you 13 years later, it all makes sense going through it. It didn't make sense. And I, and I mean, I had everyone from friends to family to my mother saying, are are you sure you want to do this? Like, what are you doing? Like you're leaving finance to go into advertising. And so you're asking me, take me back to that place. So when I was 25 years old, it was, it was pushing through, you know, a lot of people questioning what the hell are you doing? You dropped some gems, right? So in this period of transition, when you were talking to people already in your network, you did something really, really smart. And you would ask that person who you know, who knows you, who feels uh-huh. comfortable referring you to other people, you said, "Can who, who else should I speak to? Can you name two people? And likely uh-huh. that person might have also made a warm intro on your behalf and said, hey, Absolutely. you know, we're telling them your, your story. You should talk to this person. That is so valuable because a lot of times we only think about the thing or the person right in front of us. And you were thinking just at every angle, it just seems, and I mean, maybe again, this is you thinking about it in hindsight, but it just seems very, very strategic. Um, You were focused on trying to increase your knowledge. You invested in yourself by going to class in the field that you wanted to be in. And I think these are a lot of steps that people today think that they may be able to skip. And you can't, and I always say like, there's no shortcut to any place worth going. So I just, I I just had to take a moment to kind of point out those two things, because that's something that all of us can implement and do right now. Um, Even if we're not trying to change careers, we can do that to increase our standing or visibility right where we are. It really seems like all of the steps that you took were the right steps to take. And it's so crazy that, you know, the job that you didn't get, you ended up working on that exact account at the the smaller agency. I want to talk about the 55% pay cut. Like, no, listen, you got people out here talking about all the things that they won't do for for free or for no money. And you out here taking 55% pay cuts. People are just not doing that. So you have to have an extreme belief in yourself that you can make up that gap sooner rather than later. But what made the move a risk worth taking to you? It was, again, I I can't stop using this word irrational. I had this irrational belief that if I took a couple steps back, so funny. I literally would say this. I would say, you know, yeah, by the time I'm 30, I will probably be in a good place. Right. It was an irrational belief. It was an irrational belief. And, um, but I remember thinking, okay, cool. So I did finance. I'm going to do marketing and advertising for a couple of years. I'm like, okay, cool. Maybe the next job will be in operations. You know, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I was like, oh, cool. And then, you know, I'll figure it out. So I never expected to be in advertising for this long. I didn't. Wow. I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to learn marketing and advertising. I'll do this for a couple of years. Because remember, I'm 25. I did marketing for two and a half years. I'm like, cool, I'll do marketing and advertising for a couple of years. And then I'll go on to something else. And then, you know, so I just thought like you just kept on like doing stuff. And again, now looking back, I can tell young people, like when you follow your interests and you follow your gut, you will not go wrong. There is no such thing as, you know, having something perfectly laid out, like it will be zigs and zags. And also when I look back on the past 13 years, a word that I can use to describe myself is relentless. I never stopped, you know, and I didn't... um, yeah, I just, no matter how long something takes me to get, like, I'll just keep on going, you know? And I will say, there was this one book that I read at the, around that time that I think, 
there was this one book that I read um, at the time that completely shifted my perspective. I've read it at 25 and I read it at 30. By the time I was 30, I, and I reread the book, I was like, wow, I came such a long way. And it was Eckhart Tolle's A New Earth. And so in that book, it talks about being present. It talks about notifying, you know, identifying the ego and steps to check it. It talks about notifying the pain body and other people. So during those formative years of 25 to 30, changing careers, taking a 55% pay cut, things that I think would normally um, stress somebody out, like title, making money, comparing yourself with your other friends that work in banking and consulting and, you know, are graduating from medical school and starting to make paper and they're going on all these trips and like, you can't do shit, right? Um, that book, Eckhart Tolle's, Tolle's philosophy kind of, it just helped me mature and think about things differently and be present. Um, and I think a combination of those things allowed me to just be focused and, and relentless and focus on the job at hand. You know, that's something that um, I think I've always been, always been good at too. I was never chasing for the next role because I never knew what the next role was. Once I left banking, there was no path. I didn't know what the path was. That was going to that was going to be um my next question like what future did you see beyond advertising but like you said you were just so present in the moment in your decision. I think sometimes we make a decision and we question it. So we're like okay, what else could I be doing at this time or what else should I do? So while you were you you accepted the new role, you ended up on the American Express account. And you're, you know, you're staying present, you're doing all the right things. Were there any moments once you changed careers that you felt like, oh shit, all right, I made a mistake. I'm I'm going back. Um, I will say no, because by the time by the time I fell into business development, I was like, okay, I'm gonna choose this as my career. And so at that point, there was no more like, I don't know how to just even describe a risk. It was just like going to continue learning and figuring it out, you know? So no, there was no, there was no time where I was like, I'll tell you one time when I felt like, oh shit, what the hell did I do? I studied abroad in Tokyo, my junior year of college. And I got off, I got off that plane in Narita uh, airport and saw nothing but Japanese. And I was like, oh shit, what did I get myself into? Um, so I never had that. I didn't never had that oh shit moment in, in the business. I think after making decision, the decision to take a 55% pay cut, I think that was probably the biggest thing. Once you get over that, once you learn how to budget, once you learn how to, you know, completely scale back discretionary <laughs> spending, um, and you figure out how to live, like you like, I think that there was no more risk. It was just like learning and, and figuring out your next move. Okay, so two things. Crystal just told us all to stop shopping on Amazon Prime. <laughs> if we <laughs> if we if we really want to make something something happen in our lives. But two, if there are any doctors listening, we need to make a serum from Crystal's brain and <laughs> And inject it into the rest of us because she has this otherworldly thing. I don't. I don't know what it is. It conviction, conviction, yeah, and belief in self that I think so many of us like. We know we're good at the thing that we do, or we know you know some of our God given talents. But I, but the doubt and the yeah. fear can overpower that. And what I'm hearing so far, and I mean we're just getting started. I'm just so inspired by you saying, no, I got this. <laughs> like I, I can do this and in whatever I don't know, I will learn and then I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I just love that about you. Yeah. 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 There's this thing about, you know, I, I didn't know I was learning. I was starting a completely new career. So the doubt that I had in terms of information, like, you know, I, 
yeah, I focused on learning and doing and asking questions. I'm lucky that I had great managers along the way. I'm so right. That's my next question. Like, who did you lean on for support during this time? Did you have, was it mentors or like you said, your managers, anyone in the industry who cheered you on or just was like there if you needed a place to, to go for advice or guidance? I mean, I have so many big Spellman sisters. Um, so the Spelman Network is so meaningful to me in so many different ways. I didn't know how special it was going to Spelman until after I left the gates of Spelman. Um, and so the Spelman Alumni uh, Network has been uh, a crutch, you know, and from women who are super senior. So I still have big sis that graduated in 76 and 82 who are still talk to, who have known since I was OGs, who, who I'm not, I won't say, they, they, they know who they are and they're so meaningful to me and um, they're running businesses and, you know, they're running foundations and they're running, you know, it's just having them in my corner and, and them seeing me grow over the cross, course of the past 15 years has been just beautiful. So I have, I have a core group of, of Spelman alum peeps from when I was serving on the the National Alumni Association of Spelman Colleges, New York chapter, um, volunteering from them. So that entire crew who I worked with from, you know, 2007 to 2000, you know, 14, 15, that if you were in the, the New York chapter, like they were a crutch for me. Um, I would say, you know, my advertising godmother, Tanisha Abernathy, like she was always there for me. Um, and then, you know, once I started building relationships in the business, I started getting some more people who I could trust and who I can ask questions. Um, and now I have like, you know, a, a nice board of peeps who whenever I'm going through something career wise, I tap them, I shoot them an email. Hey, going through this, how did you deal with this? Um, and so I just, I count my blessings on people who I'm able to, to, to touch base with. And they're not, some people aren't you know, titled up, you know, um, some people are just, are just good people. Right. And they, they can still be a wealth of knowledge, even if they don't have that title. And I think you, you just, I mean, you've just been dropping gems this entire time, but for tap into your alumni network, like I went to Howard and I, I can share this same exact sentiment. And I'm thinking now as you're talking, like, oh, I need to tap in a little bit further. <laughs> like, you know, I need to go even deeper, but it's like the alumni network of your school and doesn't have to be an HBCU is really a wealth of resources. And a lot of times if an alumni is, if an alum is connected to the alumni network, they want to help you. Mm -hmm. Like they literally want to see you succeed. And it's just a matter of not making it a transaction where it's like, hey, can you help me? But really looking for those people that you can build a relationship. Absolutely. With. And I remember asking the alumni director at Spelman, Deneo. Deneo's out there. Um, she was just amazing. Um, but I remember emailing her and saying, hey, can you send me all the alum that work in marketing in New York? I want to reach out to them. Ooh. Oh, I'm about to, oh, it's, listen, I'm about to be in the emails, okay? I'm about to get the computers pewing. That's a big boss move. Like she said, send me the Excel sheet. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But okay. All that okay. summary, like we all have where we are is where we're supposed to be, right? And we have exactly what we need in order to take that next step. It is, it's one step at a time. Like, look around you. All of the things that you need, the resources, the people, the, the dot connectors, you, you likely already have access. They're likely already within reach. Yeah. So, Crystal, I want to know, like, for somebody right now who's listening and they're fired up, they're like, oh, it's lit. I'm about to <laughs> change careers. I finally, you know, heard the message and, the, and got the validation that I needed to get. What advice would you give to them? Don't stop. Don't stop. You know, you have, if you have this thought in your head that will not go away, you got to keep on going. You got to, you got to, you got, you have to, you have to, you got to see it through no, no matter how, no matter how long 
it takes you gotta you gotta see it you gotta see it through you gotta you gotta realize it and i think once you realize it that belief in self skyrockets and it adds to your confidence and your ability to to do and to complete and so don't don't stop y'all can't see me right now but i'm like rocking back and forth like i'm in church um because I feel like Crystal is speaking to me. <laughs> I just feel like you are speaking to me or ministering to my soul. You know, I, I see a life for myself beyond PR. And, and right now I feel like, all right, cool. Crystal said it. So, so we out, you know, this is something that we're definitely going to do. One thing that I look back on, I don't regret anything. I don't regret anything. Right my advice to people now is once you feel like you are ready to move on like don't ignore that feeling i was at this company for nearly five years i loved it i loved my boss uh christine prince um i always say i went to the christine prince school of new business um and you know i was there for like i said nearly five years and i and sometimes and I probably felt maybe three years in that I started feeling like it was time to move on. And, and I didn't, I, I stayed there, you know? And um, I'm not gonna say anything, again, I don't regret everything, anything. I think everything happens as it should, but I, I would love for people to trust themselves that, that much more. So I, I trust myself now, right? Um, and I remember the going like during that period of time, um, I had a lot of self doubt, and I stayed. I think I stayed longer than I should have. So, so another another question that I have is for the people who are you know they're listening, they're they're hype, they're they're ready to to kind of do this. Should they start talking about their desires out loud, like say on social media, or in this this one might be a bit more risky in their LinkedIn profile if they could say you know open to learning more about X Y Z field. So I think people should do what is best, what they feel comfortable with. I'm of the the school of real G's move in silence. And I think, yes, and I, and I, and I just, I'm personally a, a private and silent kind of person. Um, and that doesn't mean that is the, 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 what you should do. I think you need to do what's comfortable for you. But, you know, there is this thing about, just taking the time to figure things out for yourself, giving yourself the space and the time to explore and enjoy it and revel in it. And not everyone needs to know about that, you know, like send your emails and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking to explore what's, what's next. And I'd love to, to chat with you about it, you know, keep it open. Um, and plus if you're currently working, that might be a little weird. So I want to switch gears a bit and talk about where you are today. Yes. So what's interesting is that, you know, for the last several years, you've been running business development at Virtue and now you're running the whole damn thing for North America. Like, And, and, and I don't know how I missed that, but you put me on game today. Congratulations, Thank big you. boss. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Can you can you walk me through like the work that you do for the agency? What is it like to run an agency? And I need I need to just say one more thing. This not you know she's not running an agency for the block. <laughs> she, North America, okay. Get a get a Google Map and and look at North America, okay. Cool. Just just. Just talk to the people about, you know, the work that you're doing, running the agency, and what are your new responsibilities? Because it was business development before, but now it's you have obviously taken on more. Yes, 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 yes. So um, is it okay if I take a step back and, and share how I got to Virtue? Please. Okay. Please. So I just want to give you guys some context, right, for people, especially who may be interested in uh, marketing and advertising, who may be in the business already. So um, for my first advertising job, I then went on to KBS. Um, and I, I have to tell this story because, again, the, the just the red dots. Um, 
So my fairy godmother, my advertising fairy godmother, Tanisha, she helped me get my first job in advertising. And then she hit me up and said, hey, I'm going to this place called KBS and I'm going to be running the, the Weight Watchers account. I'm looking for a senior account executive to 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 work with me. Are you are you interested? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes, I'm ready to, to move on because the place that I was at was pretty small. So you can hit the ceiling pretty fast. So. Lucky enough, got to the job, um, had my first black boss ever. Tanisha's black. She went to Howard too, HU, uh, HU, um, and had a nice run for six months before the client said, hey, uh, we're not going to renegotiate your contract. And I'm like, holy shit, like when I read about this in the trades, that means people are going to get laid off. And true to the company's word, they're like, listen, we think you're great. We hire for the agency, not for the account. So we're going to figure out where to put you. A couple of weeks go by and um, they're like, okay, cool. So we don't have any place to put you. So we're going to put you to the business development department. Um, wow. Work with the chief of staff, be his right hand. And whatever he asks you to do, just do it. I'm like, all right, cool. So go to my first business development meeting. I have no idea what this word means. I don't know what business development really is at a real big agency, um, full service agency. I go and the pitch is for Goldman Sachs. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So I'm out of here. So I'm bugging. Exactly. So I'm bugging out. So so I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like, guys, I used to work at Goldman Sachs. So he goes, okay, just do a competitive analysis on XYZ ABC. So obviously I come back with it, with my the rigor that I have from finance. And they're like, okay, cool. So you're going to uh, come to this pitch with us. And so I went to the pitch. We won it. And so I won a Goldman Sachs account at Yes, onboarded the account, was the first account person on the account. Um, and Jesus Christ, yeah. talk about alignment. I'm telling you, when in more, it's more to come, and this is why we're going to talk about some gems, girl. So, the head of client services at the time, who I called um, my, my advertising godfather, uh, Steve McCall. He brings me in a conference room and he says, Crystal, uh, there's an opening on the business development team for a new business manager. We'd love to, to, to offer it to you. First right of refusal. Here are the pros. Here are the cons. Here are more of the cons. Um, it will only be a one-year rotation. Then you'll come back to account and you'll be that much stronger of an account person. And you'll understand what it means to run an agency. You'll be working with the executives. You'll, you know, understand how they think through deal flow and approaching pitches and winning business. And I was like, all right, cool. One year, let's do it. So that was 2011. And I moved into the, the business development team working for Christine Prinz. And I, I never looked back. Um, so I've been in business development since for all that time. Um, I left KBS, um, probably about six months after Christine left, um, went on to this other agency called Arnold and Arnold was, was amazing. Like I got to, uh, be, I got, that's where I got my director title. So I was director of business development for Arnold in, for Arnold in, uh, New York and, um, but something that was interesting that was going on in the business at that time was that's when there was that the start of the shift and the shift is, you know, less traditional marketing, more digital advertising, um, less reliance on really big agency holding companies and going to um, an, an agency of record model and, and clients going to working with multiple agencies. Um, and Arnold was this really big, big agency that did a lot of traditional advertising. Um, and just to sum it up, I spent a year and a half in Arnold and didn't win any business. Whew. So imagine working in business development for 18 months and not winning anything. But during that time, seeing what it is from different types of leaders, what it is to have a life while working in advertising. Because when I was at uh, KBS, you know, most of the management team didn't have kids. So there was, there was a lack of uh, boundaries, right? So anytime pitches came through, you just worked 
on the weekends. It was like, okay, cool, clear off your weekend. You're going to be working that weekend. Then you go to Arnold's and everybody on the management team has children. And so there was better work-life balance. But anyway, so I got to learn and see and feel two very different environments. Um, and so I went from KBS where I was on a team that won, had a good hit, hit um, win or loss rate, but like I experienced what winning was. Then I went to Arnold and I experienced what losing was to the point where they had to completely restructure their business and they decided to move the business development department from two separate offices, Boston and New York, just to Boston. So I got downsized, I got downsized in January, 2017. And because I'm on top of it, I knew it was happening. So when my boss brought me in and we were talking, um, she goes, I'm sorry, X, Y, Z, you know, going to have to let you go, whatever. I was like, okay, cool. No problem. I was like, Lisa, it was so great to work with you. She was like, wait, how did you know? I said, I could tell, you know what I mean? So I, you know, being having your finger on the pulse and paying attention and being self-aware is super important. So it was great. It was an amicable um, uh, breakup. And that was January, 2017. In February, 2017, Virtue reached out. They were looking for their first business development hire, interviewed with a ton of people. And in June, 2017, I joined Virtue, which is the full service creative agency born from Vice. And I thought it was a, it, it was really funny. I thought it was a joke, right? I thought uh, when I was interviewing, there was no website. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Okay. So, wait, 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 wait. Let me get this straight. June 17 is when they reached out. So how was the agency up and running at that time? Yeah. So February 2017 is when they reached out. I started working in June 2017. Yeah. But the agency was founded in 2006. But at that time, it was Vice's in-house creative agency. Um, so the work that they produced uh, lived on Vice's owned and operated Exactly. You got it. You got it. Um, and then in 2017, they decided to put a bet out on Virtue as a creative agency business, stripped it outside of the walls of media, um, separate business, separate PL, separate management team, and have a go at it. So having a go at it meant that you have to have a business development person. So I was the first business development hire, and it was nothing. It was nothing. And so I went from these big established agencies with you know, processes already set up, um, you know, databases, inventory, experience to, you know, starting from scratch, you know what I mean? And building an RFP database and, you know, creating a business development strategy and, you know, working with the leaders to say, like, here's what we should be striving for. We need to be building relationships here, X, Y, Z. And so you're asking me, I, I feel like I had to give that background because you're asking me, um, what is it like running an entire agency? And I want to share with your audience that where I am right now is just a unique place, right? I truly believe that my trajectory is not normal. You know, like this current iteration of virtue is three years old. We're quite literally building an agency for today and for tomorrow. And it is a startup. It is a, well, again, we were founded in 2006, but this current iteration of the company is three years old. And so think about being, when you hear these stories about people being at startup companies and starting at one position, and then in a couple of years running the show, like it's possible because of the environment that I'm in. You know, and I thank my lucky stars that I was able to find a place that allowed me to show up as I am and um, bring my full self to work. I think that's just one of the ethos of the Vice Media Group and their investment in youth and their belief in youth. Um, and so there's this expectation that, you know, you coming on board you're going to roll up your sleeves and, and do what you got to do. And, and so there wasn't a lot of hand-holding. Hand it it's one of those places, again, that, you know, you come in and you add value or you don't. And if you don't, you're seen, you're seen immediately. But anyway, so, yeah, I was just going to say, so came in June 2017, um, brought in an opportunity by November, December 2017. Um, and then in 2018, was promoted to run business development. Again, I was a, I was a business development director responsible for 
you know, the U.S., but we were just, I was just, it was really just Brooklyn, the Brooklyn office. Um, I, I had some immediate success um, from working really hard, having a strategy and executing it, to be honest. Um, and then in 2018, we had a phenomenal year and I was asked to run um, business development for the U.S. And it's not, I didn't have a big team. It was me plus one person. Uh, and we built, you know what I mean? But I built the department. I built the business development process for, for virtue. And so 2018 was running business development for the U.S., continuing, um, just continuing, right? In 2019, um, they regionalized the business. So then it was Americas and international. So then I got promoted to run business development for North America. So North America for us includes Toronto, Brooklyn, LA, and now uh, Austin, where we have our USH offering. And then something special happened towards the end of 2019, which was my president left. Wow. My president decided he was with the organization for a while. He decided to go small because again, we're at uh, uh, the stage of the company by last year where, you know, we're continue, continuing to grow. We're in, in real growth phase mode and scaling and bringing on better and more talent and bringing on greater pieces of business that allow us to make that much more of an impact, not only on our client's business, but just within, you know, culture. And he left in August and mm -hmm. they offered me the job and I couldn't believe it, you know? And my boyfriend always says, stop saying that, you know, you worked hard, that's why you got it. Um, and he's and he's right. I did work incredibly hard, and I care so much about this place. And I'm and I'm bought in. I'm bought in on the vision. I'm bought in on our values. They are synonymous with mine. Um, and yeah, so I went from running business development, which just means you know, um, developing end to end, running inbound, outbound, um, seeing pitches through. Uh, just everything that deals with bringing in new revenue to an organization from qualification uh, to managing pitches to closing opportunities, handing it off to account to run and then starting the process all over with a new opportunity. Always keeping your, your pedal on the metal, as I like to say. Um, so I did a lot. And again, given the, the, the type of organization it is, I bled, I bled into other agency uh, operation type of um, roles because the or because of the size of the organization, whereas like the past organizations that I worked with was, were, you know, dwarfed us in size. And so the business development function was a very, very clear box. Here, I was able to flex a little bit more in, in account, in, um, you know, uh, financial forecasting for the agency, things like things that I just didn't do at the other, uh, other places I did here. And, you know, I think because of my success, because of how hard I work, because of my relationships across the, across the organization, including, you know, corporate, you know, they offered me the position and it was one of those things I always thought, I thought about what my friend Cynthia told me <laughs> probably at that time, uh, uh, you know, more than a decade prior when she said, you know, Crystal, a year from now, will you wonder if? If you will, you have to take it. And I said, I never thought about agency management. There was never a point in my career where I thought I would be running an advertising agency. I always, I, because I decided to choose, because I chose business development, I went deep. I honed my craft. I kept going. I built relationships that I, and, and I never, you know, cashed my chips. Um, I worked really hard. I built relationships. I focused on my job. And then when this opportunity came about, I was like, oh my gosh, wow. And so of course I did it because I, I think Virtue is amazing and there was, there was no other agency I would ever want to work at. So I, so I took it on. So now as managing director for Virtue in North America, my remit is not only growth, but it is agency operations, um, account management, uh, integrated production, production, creative strategy, finance, HR, recruiting, all report to me. I'm, I'm sitting here in awe 
<laughs> I am I am in awe. You went from someone who took a chance on yourself uh-huh. to running the entire agency. That's that's one thing. And then you came into a new agency, a new completely new agency and built it to where it is now. Yeah. Like that is absolutely fantastic. So I I want to use the remaining time that we have to really just try and help people. You know, I run a PR firm and I know there are other people listening who run creative services businesses. So I want to get into just, you know, how you think about business development and and just sharing some tips about what all of us can kind of do and um, what adjustments we can make during this time. How has your agency and team adjusted to to the current climate? That's such a great question. Um, we, We adapted so quickly, I think, because of how nimble we are, we're, you know, no more than 100 people in North America, inclusive of full-time employees and freelance, globally 400. So we are quite a small boutique creative agency. Um, So to pivot to work from home, we're all on laptops. Um, It wasn't a difficult thing, but the collective um, sprint to do it and the, 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 um, I think everyone going through everything together, you know, it, it was a lot mentally. And I think March, March was tough because it was so many moving pieces at the same, at the same time. Um, so, so virtue is, virtue is okay. We're all work from home. Everyone, all of our staff is okay. And that's the most important thing to me. And they know that from, from day one, it's been, are you okay? Here's here's a reminder about your health benefits. Like your health benefits are a part of your compensation. (laughs) So make sure you're using them, especially now. Um, I think we're all going through a global, not only a global pandemic, but a global uh, traumatic experience. And we have to give ourselves grace. And we have. So the past eight weeks have been about giving ourselves grace while still keeping the pedal on the metal and delivering for our clients. What is it like pitching new business right now? Like, obviously, everything is happening virtually. How do you ensure that virtual pitches have the same impact as what you'd normally be presenting in person? I think that's a great question. So uh, let me let me start by saying we kicked off the year with, you know, uh, with such, uh, we kicked off the year sprinting, right? So we won Cholula, um, we're the lead creative agency for Cholula. We won that in in February, but the announcement just went out this past week. Um, I'm the, we're the lead creative agency for Canada Goose, um, which we're so proud of. You know, we have new project assignments from PNG, from HBO, from Diamond Producers Association. Um, we're in so so pre pre COVID pre pretty much the NBA canceling the season and everyone like going home. Um, we were, we had great momentum. And so the, the, the great creds meetings that we had before COVID um, we were able to convert. And so the business development opportunities that we're working on right now are because of that effort. Right. So we're really, we're really lucky to be pitching business right now, really great brands, really great assignments and pitching i mean it is tough right we're we're virtually um reviewing work we're virtually providing feedback when before we would be in a room together have things out on on papers paper on the wall talking hashing things out and guess what you just do it virtually now so i i don't want to make it seem simple because it's not but you just have to adapt and you got to adapt fast or else you'll be left to, left behind. And I tell you what, this is this environment, the, the survival of the fittest is going to make it through. And I plan to make it through. It is about being proactive with your current clients, with warm prospects, with contacts who you haven't connected with in a while. Like this is a perfect time to re-engage and touch base with people. That was going to be, that was going to be my next question. You talk about building a pipeline. So like you said, we're all going through it right now. So there may be businesses or executives 
who are just there's a pause on the budget. They they know they need your service. They will they may want to hire you. How do you build that pipeline or how do you, you know, what is your rule of thumb for reaching out even if you're not saying, "Hey, hire me right yes, now." Yes, yes. Okay. So for your business, for your entrepreneurs or business leaders that are following that are listening and and follow your amazing podcasts, you have to have qualifications, right? You have to know what you're good at. You have to know what your offering is. You have to know your market and you have to know how to position yourself in that market um, so they buy what you're selling, right? So at Virtue, we've done the work, you know, it's been three years. We have three years of learning and we know what we do well. We help brands, you know, revitalize their reputation. We help brands reach a new audience. We help brands build commercial value. We help brands change belief. Right. We know what we do well. So if I get a, if we get a brief, I know immediately if we can knock it out the park or if we should pass. So that's step one. You have as all leaders, you have to you can't go after everything. You can't chase everything. Right. Not every dollar is worth it. So you have to have your criteria. Spend time figuring it out. You, you have to. Right. Um, and then once you have your criteria, you should naturally as a service based business, I always say, you choose who you work with. You don't just accept anything, you know? So you have to come up with those, those lists. My first year when I, in 2017, I actually emailed the agency and I said, hey, who do you want to work with? Do you know how meaningful it is for me to reach out to a CMO, SVP or VP of marketing and say, hey, I did a survey and uh, the majority of my company wants to work with you. I'd love to introduce you to virtue. There it is. <laughs> and there, like, there's nobody who's not going to one no. respond to that email or take that call. Yep. And, and right then and there, you got your foot in the door. Yeah. And I will say my style of business development, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson. I am a connector. I do like, again, looking back on the past 15 years of my, my professional working career, I love, I love meeting people. I love listening. I love hearing what's going on in their life and work challenges and figuring out, you know, how I can be of service, you know? And again, here's another red thread. Going to Spelman is where I learned to who much is given, much is expected. That's where I learned how to, you know, what the first, the first iteration of servant leadership, I learned in, in college. And now I'm in a position to serve. This is a service business. I serve. There's this one DTC brand who I've been getting to know, um, been getting to know the founder. She reaches out to me and she says, I mean, I reach out to her, do one of our, one of our touch bases. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? Have you finished your round of funding? Um, you know, I would love to, love to work with you. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking about building an internal agency. And so there's one business development mind that would, that would say, oh, no, you don't need that. I can help you. Let me tell you what I can do for you, you know? But instead, I listened to her and I said, okay, cool. Well, guess what? A friend of mine uh, created the in-house agency at XYZ Brand. Let me introduce you to him so that you can understand what it takes to build an internal agency. So I connected them. Yep, connected them. Um, what after a month or so, I checked in. I said, "Hey, did you catch up with so and so?" And he said, "No." And so I said, "Okay, cool. I will. Um, let's go have dinner." So we scheduled dinner. Connected them over dinner. So it was the three of us having dinner. It was great. And again, I'm. I don't care. I'm like, I care about your brand. As long as you're doing what's for your brand, that's the, what matters. And it was that night where she said, "You know, Crystal." I might not work with you right now, but I will work with you. It's not lost on me that you could have steered me in a different direction, but instead you gave me a resource to figure this out. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm not a salesperson. Like business development to me is, I think about things in such a long-term, it's human. I think about it in, from a very long-term perspective. Um, and so, what I do is planting many seeds for long-term gain. But 
anyway, so from a business development perspective right now, it's about proactive outreach. It's not selling. It's staying top of mind. It's being value added. And by that, obviously, I'm very lucky to have a, uh, an incredible strategy department. Um, we're working on a ton of thought leadership. And so as that thought leadership comes out, as just things that we think are interesting come out, we're able to just share information with our prospective clients um, and current clients. And don't get me wrong, agencies should do this anyway. If you're an agency, your job is to add value to your clients, is to make your clients smarter, is to make them feel as though they can't do their job without you. And we're not perfect, no agency is, but that's my aspiration. So this, this is an important question. You, you interface and you talk with a lot of executives, you, you know, high level executives from the brands that you're pitching right now, a lot of business owners and executives are in panic mode. You know, we're experiencing something in our lifetime that none of us have ever experienced. And if you're tasked with running a business, you know, you may be cutting agency partners or pausing projects, um, which may not always be the right move. What advice, what human advice would you have for them if they're listening? Again, I I have to go back to the people. You got to take care of your people first. So I think, you know, anyone who's saying, oh, yes, continue to advertise, like, you got to look at your numbers. You know, you got to cover your cost of goods sold. You have to cover your salary. You have to, like, you know what I mean? You make the smart decision, you know, and give yourself grace. Give you, Care about your people and give yourself grace. You know, if you're, if you're, yep, if you're fortunate enough to, you know, still have budget, to, to market, yes, like you and your agency partners should be rethinking messaging strategies, figuring out what you can do. This is very much so a doing season. Uh, like we're literally going through this with our clients and, um, you know, immediately the first thing that, that happened was production. All production came to uh, a, a screeching halt. And, you know, we had to pivot and in that pivot, my amazing head of production and and her team came up with, okay, here's how you can still produce during COVID. And so we shared that with our clients. We shared that with warm prospects. You know, we shared that with friends of the agency. We're just sharing. Did you share it in like a, a newsletter format or yeah. was it just like an email from the end? Both, 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 okay. both. So, you know, um, client services team sent it to their team, their, their clients, business development team. We sent it to prospects scheduled calls with our head of production, um, with people who were interested in understanding, yeah, how do I produce during COVID? Um, And so we're adding value, you know? Another thing is like, think of really, think of ways that you can still engage. Um, And I give credit to the Vice Media Group business development team who came up with a couple of different business development tactics that are getting people in. I won't won't share that, but, um, so we've had some really great meetings um, with some prospects and one turned into a project. So I literally met, we met with a client uh, in April. Um, they liked one of our ideas and so they bought it. And so now we have, you know, a multi hundred thousand dollar opportunity that we are working on that will be deli- delivered in two months. So it- that was another important tidbit that you just shared is that they they like they bought into a project a lot of times we may go out there and be selling our full or pitching our full suite of services and we need to kind of look at the bigger picture and say okay how can i dial this back to give them something that is like a shot of value and once they work with us we know that gets us in so once things kind of stabilize a bit we could win more of the business i think sometimes we miss out on opportunities Uh by only focusing on the whole pie yeah you're such a good interviewer um you really are thank you You really 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 are um yeah so my comment to that is if you are in you know a service business a creative agency pr agency um across the spectrum right of, of agency agency life and business this has been uh, where the business, where the industry is going, right? There are less retainers. There are less agency of record uh, opportunities. Uh, clients want to date. They want to see what it is to work with different agencies and have multiple agencies on 
their roster. And right. you either fight that and lose, or you adapt your model to, to be in the game. And so Virtue was born a project-based agency, right? The, the, the organic way that we grew was out of projects. And again, putting the focus on, on the business over the past three years um, to be purely a creative, creative agency, um, we've been taking, bringing on more and more lead creative agencies, but at our core, we're still, we, we still handle projects, you know, and, and because of that, we've been able to service this market incredibly well, incredibly well. And so, you know, that's a, that's a, that's another thing to, to think about as a, as an entrepreneur, as a small business owner, um, you know, you have to have varying, uh, revenue pipelines. You can't just rely on one way. Yeah. Yeah. And even now, like, you know, I was talking to one of my business development directors and um, uh, the way he thinks, he thinks incredibly expansively and he's thinking about different, um, we have this, what we call service as a product. And so we're thinking about different ways to, to go to market with some fixed service products and we're testing them out right now. Um, and it's super interesting. So you got to be willing to test and learn things too. I'm not afraid to fail. You know what I mean? So I like, I like learning things and, um, and figuring it out. And if it doesn't work, like just move on and don't beat yourself up about it. You have shared so much, I mean, so much juice with my audience today and with me, like my mind is, is kind of spinning. I'm like, okay, how can I, you know, make these adjustments, be more flexible um, and win. And, and what I want to leave with is just there, there's, there's going to be people who feel like this moment in time is a setback. It, you know, and it, the thing is, is that it doesn't have to be like, yes, we're all experiencing some kind of loss. We're all being called to make some kind of sacrifice personally or professionally. How can we stay encouraged and proactive? Mm. You know, I find strength in and we're in such a chaotic period of time, but I find strength that nobody knows what tomorrow's gonna bring. Nobody knows, nobody knows. Nobody that has 15 degrees, no one that only has a, that has a, not, not excuse me, not only, someone that has a, you know, high school diploma or a GED, someone that, you know, is, uh, someone running an agency, someone just working in, you know, who just graduated college and is starting a new, uh, starting in a new uh, career. Nobody knows what tomorrow will bring. I find strength in that. You create your future. You create your now. Trust yourself, you know, have a great, for people who are in organizations, like I wouldn't, I, I, I have the best team in the business. I love my team. I wouldn't want to be going through this without any, with anyone else. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sakita Method. I absolutely love Crystal's story and I'm so glad that I finally had her on the show. I'm going to drop her details into the episode notes so that you can find her online and keep up with her and learn all about virtual worldwide. If you're listening to this episode on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. And when talking about the Sakita Method or this episode online, please use the hashtag the Sakita Method and tag me at Miss Success, that's M-I-S-S Success, as well as the Sakita Method on both Instagram and Twitter. To sign up for the Sakita Method or TSM community, text Sakita Method, all one word, to 33777.